Welcome to the Dance Science Podcast, and thank you so much for being here with me today. I am your host, the Dance Scientist, and the Dance Science Podcast intends to build connections and drive discussion on how we can improve our field and make dance science more normalized. Thank you for being here today and enjoy this episode. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Welcome to the Dance Science Podcast. I am your host, the Dance Scientist, and in today's episode, we're going to talk about what dance science is, and we're also going to address the gaps that are there. So please enjoy this episode, and thank you again for being here. All right, let's get right into it. So how I have this episode structured is basically like peeling back layers of an onion. So we're going to start with the outer layer of the onion, which is basically general information, and then we're going to slowly peel back more layers and get more specific and more detailed. So the first section, let's get into it. First, we need to note that dance science is actually an umbrella term with a lot of subtopics under that are studied and researched. Okay, So some of those topics include motor learning, biomechanics, cross-training, psychology, and nutrition. Okay, Now, no, I just listed five, and basically that's only a small sample of like the large scope that dance science covers. So please keep that in mind that I'm not listing all of the topics necessarily. It's just basically a little sample, okay? Now also note that each of those subtopics are also broad and complex, okay? So just that little intro that we just did basically gives you a taste for how complex dance science truly is and how large of a scope it really, really covers. So again, it's very, very complex. That's another reason the Dance Science Podcast was born is that I'm trying to bring attention and awareness to the umbrella, which is dance science, and a little bit of knowledge to each of the subtopics. Now, you may have heard the term dance medicine being referred to as the field, and that's just basically another term used. And sometimes when dance medicine is used, it's more the medical side of actual medical professionals who specialize in working with dancers. So if you hear those terms, they're basically interchangeable terms in my opinion, or basically the fullest term for referring to the field is just referred to as dance medicine and science. So when we talk about what dance science actually is, I'm gonna use a little chunking strategy here because I'm going to associate it to something that we all basically know. We all basically know the field of exercise science, right? Now think of everything underneath exercise science, but specific to dancers, okay? So we really hone in on what dancers' needs are because they're different from traditional athletes, right? They have unique movement demands that make them very, very different from the traditional athletes. So they can't just be grouped together with like, you know, a football player because their needs are very, very different. Now we're going to move into the history. So like I said, we're kind of peeling back layers to the onion. So dance science was actually born in the early 1980s. So we have to take a note here and we have to realize that it's actually not that old. So when we kind of look at the 80s up until now, I mean, To be honest, yes, there has been progress, but 
at the same flip side of the coin is that, yes, there could be more progress being done, right? Now, this was at a time when dancers' injuries were like literally skyrocketing. And basically, a group of people who shared common interests for maximizing dancers' health and well-being started to form, and they basically just formed their own little group. And that's literally how dance science was born, and that is why dance science is here in the first place. Moving into organizations, okay? This is another thing that can be a little bit overwhelming for people, you know, if you don't have formal training in dance science necessarily, but you still want to learn about the organizations. I'm trying to make it simple for people and easy to digest. So we're going to start with IADAMS, which is the International Association for Dance Medicine and Science. Okay, so just as a little backstory, I do serve as a mentor for them. They have an early career mentorship program where you can apply to get matched with a mentor. And based on all of the data that you basically input for them, they match you with a mentor that's aligned with what you're working on, right? So they'll basically do the matching process for you, which is awesome. And I currently have a mentee that I'm working with and it's super, super amazing. So if you're ever looking for a mentor to answer some questions for you or to maybe help you with some career decisions and navigating that process, I highly recommend applying for their program. It's completely free. I also serve on their promotions committee. So just a little background about iAdams. They have an annual conference, first of all. Re um, also realize that they are international, so each year they flip-flop on and off. One year, the conference will be basically within North America, and then the next year, it will be international. So this last year was in Ireland, and then in 2023, it will be in Cleveland, Ohio. So just kind of take note of that. Now, another thing is they have a lot of resources on their website. And remember, they also have the Journal of Dance Medicine and Science. So there's a lot to gain from iAdams. Next, moving down the list, is Healthy Dancer Canada. By the way, you can also follow iAdams on their Instagram and on their Facebook page. Same with Healthy Dancer Canada. That is their tag on their Instagram page, so I recommend following them. I serve on their planning committee for their conferences and then on their outreach and communications committee starting this year, 2023. Little backstory about Healthy Dancer Canada. It's a little bit of a smaller group, which some people prefer, so there's nothing wrong with that. They also have annual conferences, just like iAdams, and they have tons of resources on their website. Again, please um, follow them on Instagram or like their Facebook page. Next is DSSE. Again, it's a small group. This stands for Dance Science and Somatics Educators, okay? They also have their own annual conference, and you can find them right on their website. Harkness Center, I wanted to mention them. They're not necessarily an organization, but they do have um, a physical center in New York, and they also have a little dance med I should say little, it's not little, it's actually really amazing. <laughs> they have an online dance med course platform. We'll talk about that a little bit later in this episode. So again, you can follow them on their Instagram page and like them on their Facebook. NDO is the next one. It stands for National Dance Education Organization, okay? So obviously this is more general dance education, but they do offer 
a lot of opportunities in the science and in the somatics areas as well. So that's why I wanted to shout them out. They have annual conferences. They have tons of resources. They also have their own online course platform where I've taken several, several courses from and I've really, really enjoyed their courses. Yep, general dance education, but they also have science, okay? So I serve on their advocacy committee. I'm also a judge for the NHSDA awards, which are their um, artistic merit awards. And then I'm also a peer reviewer for the Journal of Dance Education. So again, a lot to gain from NDO, a lot of amazing resources and tools right on their website. Again, you can also follow them on their Instagram page. Doctors for Dancers, I serve on their advisory board. You can follow them on their Instagram, which is just Doctors for Dancers, and that's also their website. It's basically a resource platform for finding dance medicine professionals so that you can find one in your area. Because it's really important for dancers to be going to dance-specific medical prof professionals, okay? They have specific training and training with dancers, and most of them were dancers themselves. So they're actually able to understand dancers at a much deeper, deeper level. So yes, definitely check out their website. They're also doing a lot to really change the narrative around injuries, right? Injuries are not a bad thing. Injuries are not something to be shameful of. You know, when injuries happen, they happen sort of thing. So they're really doing a lot of positive work to try to change a lot of those cultural traditions that can be really, really toxic relating to injuries. Okay, moving into my experience with dance science. So I first learned about dance science in college, okay, which at the time it was already like, you know, this doesn't make too much sense to me. Like, Yes, it's great that I'm learning it in college and I was really, really grateful for that experience and I still am really grateful for that experience. But I thought, why am I just learning about it now? Because now I'm basically having to play catch up on myself, right? So for all of those years when I didn't have this knowledge, I'm kind of backtracking through a lot of those habits and those neuromuscular connections and I'm kind of having to rewire, right? So during this time I was taking Pilates and dance kinesiology, it was like a million light bulbs went off in my head, literally through my body. It felt like a million light bulbs. And it was like, I was like opening my eyes for the first time in my life. And so that is going to lead us into one of the main gaps that I see is, and that's the next thing we're gonna get into here are the gaps. So let me just introduce why I think it's important to address the gaps. So why are gaps important in the first place? Well, I think it's important that we be honest and we sit down and have these conversations that yes, there are gaps. And yes, there are a lot of areas where dance science could be doing more, in my opinion. And again, it's important that we're sitting down and having these conversations. You know, we can't just keep brushing things under the rug and taking the easy route you know, sometimes we have to sit down and have these uncomfortable conversations and say, you know what? Yeah, that that kind of sucks, you know, or, you know, that could have been handled better or, you know, we could have done this that way. You know, that's how we pivot and that's how we progress our field. So I have seven gaps outlined here and I'm really excited to get into this with you guys. 
The first one is that we should be challenging studies because that's going to make dance science better, okay? Questioning and challenging the studies is going to make our field better, okay? Because not every study out there is perfect. As a PhD student, we are trained to critically analyze studies and tear them apart, okay? And I mean tear them apart. <laughs> On average, we are analyzing five research studies a week and writing full papers on each one. So I'm used to going through the process of reading through a study and really tearing out the positives and really tearing out the negatives, okay? So yes, I do think this is a gap that we should be challenging and questioning them more and not just really taking them at face value. Number two is I see a huge gap with young dancers especially. Now this is probably the gap that I've become the most passionate about is young dancers in general. Because remember, kind of circling back to my personal experience in undergrad, when I started being exposed to all the dance science world in general, I was like, oh, why, you know, why am I just learning about this now? You know, I think at least young dancers could be learning about dance science in small ways. Number three is that I see a need for a consistent curriculum embedded into dance education all the way from kindergarten up until college and all the way through adult, I should say. So basically, in general, I just see a need for more consistency, you know, a more consistent curriculum that's already embedded into dance education, okay? So instead of it being a second option that people turn to sometimes or something that dancers learn about when they get injured, right? Instead of those things happening, it's already part of their training from day one. Now, am I saying that um, young dancers need to be learning the most complex anatomical concepts? No, definitely not. There is a spectrum, is how I think about it. And so I do think at that age, they could be still learning anatomy. There are ways to do it. Number four is that I think there's more dance science organizations could be doing, okay? This is kind of a personal opinion of mine, so you might disagree with me here, but it could also be in the region that I'm in. So just take that into account that maybe this is different in your area and maybe this is not an issue and that's amazing. But in my area, I just see that they could be putting themselves out there more just in terms of marketing and social media. Again, this is just my opinion, but I do think that's important because some people don't even know that dance science organizations exist in the first place. Number five is that we should be doing more for dance studios. There's really not much of a consistent, well, there's really no consistent curriculum at dance studios, okay? This is slowly changing in some areas. So again, you might have a total different experience than me, which is amazing and awesome. But in the region that I'm in, the only thing that I see going on are like random master classes being put on. And listen, master classes are great because it's better than nothing, right? Totally, it's better than nothing. But master classes are not a consistent curriculum. You know, I would really love to just see a consistent class from day one. 
One of the issues is that there's really not a standard professional development requirement for studio owners and teachers. And so I do think that we end up in a place where teachers are really not that knowledgeable on anatomy because they're really not required to keep their certifications up, right? Like I got my undergrad in dance and I could have started to be a teacher like, you know, day one and nobody would have said anything because there's really no policing or there's really no standards, right? Number six is that we should have more options at a lower cost to entry, okay? Again, this could be different in your area, but this is just my personal experience is that maybe there are a lot of options out there, but maybe they could just be marketing themselves better. Again, I think more options in general are needed, which is why I built my little tier system of products to give people as many options as possible. Example, I've taken classes on Harknesses. They have a dance med online course platform that I've mentioned before. And they're really, really amazing courses for really affordable prices. And I feel like not many people know that they have courses in the first place. And honestly, people not, might not know that they actually have tiered prices as well. So for dance educators, usually their courses are about $25, okay? And you're basically getting like, the amount of um, content as in like a mini course, okay? So it's a small course. It's not like a six-week module or anything like that. It's basically just a couple videos that you watch, but I still think that that's pretty good for $25. I've also gone to some of their Zoom events and I've only paid $10 and some of their Zoom events have also been free. So that's just one example of some really low-cost options that are out there for people that I think are really, really great. But in my personal opinion, again, you can feel free to disagree with me, but I do feel like they could be putting this out there more. Places could be putting this out there more that, hey, we have options, you know? Last one is that a lot of studies are done on ballet dancers, okay? This is 100% an issue, and it's 100% an issue that we need to sit down and talk about. We cannot just keep brushing under the rug, brush under the rug, brush under the rug. So it comes down to that we really need to broaden the dance styles that get researched in the first place, okay? Now I'm gonna play the flip side just a little bit here, just to give you a little bit of all of the angles here, okay? Because as I'm preparing for my dissertation, I've kind of learned a little bit behind the process as to why this actually might be complicated for a researcher, okay? So one reason why this could be hard is because when researchers are starting to prepare their study, they're looking for a certain amount of dancers, okay? And sometimes they're even looking for a specific style of dancers, okay? But usually they're looking for a specific number. Like for my upcoming dissertation, I need a certain amount of dancers, okay? So sometimes, depending on the region that they're in, again, this could be totally different in your area, but sometimes there's not enough dancers from other dance styles, okay? So sometimes they're just basically forced to go with the dance style that they can get dancers from, okay? So this just gives you a little bit into the backstory as to why this might be hard in some regions, okay? Now, am I excusing this gap entirely? No, I'm just trying to give you 
a little bit of info from all of the angles because that's really going to paint a fuller picture here. Okay, so just kind of to summarize this episode really quickly, first we started general with like the first layer of the onion and we talked about the basics of dance science, that it's an umbrella term with a lot of subtopics. We moved into the history, which is that it was born in the early 1980s. We moved into organizations because I think it's important that we start talking more about these amazing organizations that are out there. We moved into my personal experience with dance science and how that really echoes into the work that I do today to try to bring dance science more into dance education from day one. Lastly, we finished with gaps and I outlined about seven gaps that I personally feel we could really improve in dance science. Thank you so much for being here today on this episode of the Dance Science Podcast. If you really enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave a review. You can also rate this episode or you can also shoot me a DM on Instagram. Again, I thank you for being here and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode.